Welcome to the bonus episode. Just as a reminder, this show is for mature audiences. Please enjoy. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. Reading Rainbow. Welcome to the Bone Zone. That's right, I'm embracing it. <laughs> Yay! I love yeah. that for us. I, I like put up a fight. Zone. The first few times, but then I think I just started texting you like, oh, did you do the bone zone thing? And it's it's in my brain. Now, well, it's so. just like it needs to be fun and catchy because it's bonus, but it's not fun to say bonus episode. It's got to have It a- needs to be fun. It has to be fun. I agree. I agree. We're Mandated having fun, fun, right? Mandated fun. Yeah. Always. Well, what is what is the bone zone for those who are just dropping on in on this fine day? The Bone Zone is known as lingo for the bonus episodes of Reading Rainbow, Woo. the podcast hosted by myself, Laura, and my co-host, myself. Laura. We, our main episodes are devoted to reading a book a month. We read books that we, that people- Big brain books. Yeah, we read the big brain, big brain books. Um, But on these little Bone Zones, we uh, <laughs> dial it back a little bit and we say- Small brain books only. Yeah. So we read a single book over the course of a year. And so for this year, we are reading Animorphs, The Invasion by K.A. Applegate. And Mm -hmm. we take a chill here because in this episode, we're two chill people. I've realized recently that I'm not a chill person. I don't like songs that are not fast. And I didn't realize that till recently because I thought that like slow songs were just there to like be filler <laughs> yeah i like upbeat confident and empowering songs as spotify would say that is very uh, true because yeah. i went to go visit you just yeah. this we're gonna date ourselves but just this last weekend we were driving in the car listening to your well listening to a blend spotify blend of our playlist tape <laughs> and one of the songs came up and you were like this is the epitome of my brain yeah yeah the vibes that you carry with you every day. And it was just like... It was electronic. <laughs> it was electronic, like, beep boops. Yeah. But okay. in the meantime... We're back to being chill. Yeah, we're actually... Welcome to the Bone Zone. This is yeah. my chill voice. My chill voice is the exact same as my regular voice. Nah, man. This is mine. And I've now decided to commit to this voice for the entire podcast. Okay, that's your choice. Uh, well, this time we read chapters 12, 13, 14 of this book. The yeah, Invasion. we did. Yeah, we should call this Year of the Animorphs. Year of the Tiger. All right, so in chapter 12... Um, Before we begin, I wait, just okay. want to summarize my impression about these three chapters in one phrase. All these characters get way more out of pocket these three <laughs> chapters. They're saying some very character-defining <laughs> yeah. quotes, and we'll get into that. Character-defining is a great way to describe it. I would describe the plot of these three chapters as not much happens. I really thought... I read all three chapters, and I don't feel like we're in a different place. But let's get into it. Um, so... At the end of last chapter, Marco has turned to Jake on the couch and says, your brother's a controller. 
Uh, and on chapter 12, the first line is, I swung my fist and caught Marco with the side of the head. So he just like KO'd Marco. I'm done being freaking chill, y'all. Hell um, yeah. It, it starts out with violence. Yeah, and then, so they tussle a bit. And Marco, you know, says the most chill phrase ever. Jake, quit acting like a stupid jerk. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Jake is trying to defend his brother's honor of <laughs> being not your controller. Uh, he's reacting very violently towards this presumption. Um, there's some more threats of being punched and punching, but it's kind of just stopped because there's a hawk at the window <laughs> beating its wings against the window. So he's, he's flying, but also like beating the windows. Um, and the he that we're talking about is Tobias. Um, so he comes in and he's just chilling out like a bird. He couldn't like morph back into a person for, I guess he'd be naked, but he didn't want to do the human way of anything. And he's like, while well, I was being a red-tailed hawk, he says he was looking for a yerk pool or something because <laughs> when, like, I'm just going to say, like, I read it, but this is just what my mind took away from it. Yeah. When they were at the construction site, all these kids were at the construction site and they were, um, getting information from the Andalite, and then they all ran away. Tobias stayed by behind a little bit, and the Andalite transferred every single piece of knowledge he's ever known into Tobias's head. So Tobias just kind of knows everything about way yeah. more than all the other kids, and he's like, I shook my head. I knew better. Tobias just hadn't wanted to leave the Andalite alone, which is also very presumptuous. Of Jake. Yeah, J I, they're all just make, making these really big assumptions and having very pointed... Com flinging very pointed comments at each other. Yeah, it's kind of accusations like, and... So then Tobias says that he's looking for a yerk pool and he has learned that it's where the yurks live in their natural state. Every three days, a yurk has to leave his host body and go into the yurk pool to soak up nutrients, especially Candrona rays. Also, I just want to point out that we get yet another human morphing description and they never they never stop with these in the other books no um, it's, it's never just simple like he morphed into a horse it's um the brown feathers ran together and merged and turned pink it was like the feathers were melting and the beak disappeared quickly and lips grew out of it that's it said so nasty like no yes that. it sounds really disgusting yeah um, and jake says all in all it was a pretty disgusting sight so they know what they're doing they're just they choose to, this is a choice <laughs> marco's being his what his closed-minded self because Tobias is like, birds are amazing. It's a terrible one. They have to be locked up, locked up in cages. They should be free. And Marco's like, yeah, free the birds. I'll get the bumper stickers printed up. And I'm like, can, you just, like, can you just knock it down his notch, please? Yeah, no, he's like super snarky in this. And I that really comes across. I'm like, dang, Marco. Yeah. Also, then, so we talked about in earlier chapters where it's like, oh, Jake has just been appointed leader but then in this mm -hmm. chapter it's like tobias finally takes a stand he's like oh i want to find the yerk pool and i want to destroy them so then we can save the planet and then marco's like i thought we agreed to not do that and tobias says that he's taking a stand and then marco is like wrong we decided not to get into this and then jake says no we decided not to decide yet well, I decided, Tobias said. And then Marco's like, suddenly the wimp is a hero. And I'm like, wow. I think there's the dynamics change so much in this book and you really get these yeah. characters and how defiant Marco is. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, it seems like Tobias finally finds something. Like, we all know that in the beginning, Tobias is kind of the odd one out. But this mm -hmm. is when he really pits himself against Marco. I like that you brought up the dynamic between the three of them because I think that 
Marco's reaction is, um, we can, I guess, presume it's from coming from fear and from, you know, coming up against something he's very unfamiliar with and very unprepared to deal with, that his snark is, you know, a defense mechanism and that he's more, it seems like he's trying to deflect and trying to, like, yeah. you know, break the situation down into something that he can make fun of rather than deal with, like, the scary part of it. Uh, that's just a guess. I don't really, I mean, um, you oh know? boy, does he, because in chapter 13, do you mind if we move on? <laughs> I just want to point out that Marco does have some, like, he has a little bit of critical thinking because Tobias got his hawk DNA from an injured hawk. And Jake's like, well, how did you fly if the hawk you bore from was injured? And Marco says, Jake, do you pay any attention in biology class? DNA has nothing to do with an injury. DNA wasn't broken. It was just the wing. And I was like, Yeah, okay, no, so. I know. Like, Marco's just getting snarky <laughs> okay. with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What happens in chapter 13? Well, I, it's really just Marco just being more snooty. You get a little bit of his backstory. But, like, the entire time he's arguing that, one, Tom is a controller, mm-hmm. which Jake doesn't like, but T- Tobias agrees with. But then he's yeah. also arguing, we should not do anything about this. We should not get involved, which Tobias doesn't like. And then Jake is kind of wavering on. Like a Libra. Yeah, like a total Libra. He's being wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. So Marco says, Fine. Let's see how much you want to do it when it turns out it's your own brother you have to destroy. That stopped me cold. It's not exactly some video game, is it? Marco said. This is reality. You don't know anything about reality, Jake. Nothing bad has ever really happened to you. You have this perfect family, like I used to have. Like, it goes, he turns, Mm -hmm. and he, like, starts using psychological warfare on his best friend, (laughs) and then he goes into his his own, like, sob story. Like, I can just totally see it. If this were made into a film, like, mm-hmm. he's, like, he turns to the side, he's, like, like, I used to have. Like, it was yeah. <laughs> very, very melodramatic. Yeah, I do think that in a film that Marco would definitely, well, he is the comic relief. I think that he'd yeah. probably, he seems like, um, you know, from Teen Wolf, have you seen that? No. Well, he's Derek O'Brien styles. He's very snarky, very, like, out is of Is it pocket, Dylan like, O'Brien? <laughs> you're totally right, it is Dylan nice. O'Brien. <laughs> Yes, it is Dylan O'Brien. Um, just very snarky, but also like very, very comical reactions to things that happen to him. Like just whipping his head around, like yeah. always has questions, but he's the friend with the car, so he's always involved. Um, but I can see Marco yeah, having that. But I think, like as I was saying earlier, he's. I think that a lot of his reaction is coming out of fear. And this reinforces that. I think that, you know, he's suffered a loss and he doesn't think that Jake has in the mm-hmm. same way. Um, so he, like, I think Marco knows what it's like to like, have your world rocked into like really lose something. And he doesn't think that Jake is considering all that they have to lose. Yeah. Well, and Jake takes it in stride. He doesn't say like, how yeah. dare you say that about me? He's just like, <laughs> it says, I realized he was right. And I'm like, all right, great. Well, and then Marco goes on. Marco's talking about the death of his mother and how yeah. that totally rocked his world. But to me, it is just so melodramatic. So like, you know, teenage angsty, like you don't yeah. know what's going on with me. And he says, so maybe we just walk away from this. Marco said, let someone else fight this fight. Sorry mm-hmm. about the Andalite, but I've got enough death in my family. I do understand where Mark is coming from. And I totally get, like, in the voice of this yeah. like, teenage kid. He's just, like, mm-hmm. throwing everything he's got in. He's like... Yeah, well, because also I mentioned earlier the story that I, I think, like, just because since the death of his mom, he feels like that he's the only thing keeping his father together. So he has... He feels that responsibility in his shoulders, and, like, Jake doesn't have that same thing in his life. Um, I also wanted to point out, though, that he's, they're still treating this as a unanimous decision, which I think is interesting. No, uh, they have one moment where they 
Jake says, the first step is to find out more. And I think maybe the way to do that is to check out this meeting of the sharing tonight. I'll call the others. Anyone wants to come, cool. You you want to stay out of it, Marco? That's cool too. So he gives mm-hmm. them the out. There was another part where that made me laugh. So then they so they tell Tom, they're like, okay, well, I'm bringing my friends and we're all going to go. And then Tom says, tonight's a great meeting to come to. We're having a bonfire on the beach, you know, hanging out, playing games and stuff. We play night volleyball, which is so funny because <laughs> half the time guys can't see the ball. And then Jake, as a little child, he's just like, it sure didn't sound like the sharing was connected to the Yerks. You couldn't really picture <laughs> Visser 3 or a bunch of taxons playing volleyball. I'm like, dude, obviously this man is lying out of his butt. <laughs> obviously Tom is being controlled and he's not going to tell you like, yeah, we suck each other's faces and <laughs> yeah. and like morph into... And let worms take over our brains and neurons and stuff. Yeah, I'm like, what, you thought he was just going to come out? Like, he's playing a, a role, man. He's, yeah. I think that's funny. And then, but okay, they mentioned that it wasn't that far to the beach. Do they, have they mentioned where they live yet? I forget. No, but they seem to be walking everywhere. So it must, the, yeah. also, look, oh, honestly, uh, the Zillow walking score must be pretty high. Yeah, pretty high. Everywhere. Okay, I, I just looked at the first page. He said, I won't tell you where I live. You'll just have to trust me that it's a real place. What? <laughs> a real town. <laughs> I won't yeah. tell you where I live. Chapter one. I won't tell you. Oh my gosh, I see you. it. I can't. Yeah. Wow. I like that. I yeah. do like that. I like that little aim. Right? So yeah, so they're on a beach. So they're on some coast where people go to the beach. Or Tobias chooses to do recon in the air. So he chooses yeah, to he be a hawk. he loves being a hawk. He does. He loves being a hawk. He likes um, hawking out. He loves it so much. Hmm. Let's see. They talk a lot about thermals in this book. And they talk a lot about thermals in other books too. They talk about them like it's yeah. the hottest shit. And it does sound like fun. It's like hot air that like rises so the birds can like coast on it. But I will say <laughs> it got like oddly educational right at that moment they're just like well they don't even explain what thermals are they're just like and there weren't a lot of thermals and i'm like i don't know what that means and then they kind of go into it but i was still just like you just threw that word out there and i was like all right yeah um and then jake again great critical thinking when they're at the bonfire people were all around it playing talking eating kids from school adults people i didn't know others i did were they all controllers how could i ever know it was my own brother one of them like yeah Please. I still think, I get what's, I want to remind everybody that with the cop, they don't have proof or anything that he is in control. They just have decided that he is. And they've decided that's the truth. And with Tom, they still don't have any more evidence, except for the fact that they're both being as suspicious as they could possibly be regarding the sharing. Yeah. But they still don't have true evidence at this point that they are controllers. However, at the next page, they kind of do. Or the next page. Yeah. So they're hanging out and they're like, oh, this is great. And then Jake is talking to Tom, and Tom explains that he's a full member, but you start out as an associate <laughs> member, and then once you are deemed worthy, you go through some ceremony and become a full member. And so then, um, and he says, once you're a full member, the world, the whole world changes. At that moment, <laughs> something weird happened. I was looking at Tom, and he was smiling at me, but then his face kind of twitched. His head started to pull to one side like he was trying to shake his head, only he couldn't quite do it. For just a split second, there was a look in his eyes, scared or or something. And so then that is the moment where they yeah. know that things are bad. But then it's really funny because then it's immediately followed with... And with that, with Tom, he was gone into the night. <laughs> yeah, gone into the night. Love it. <laughs> Flew away as a bat. <laughs> so immediately after that, so then 
Jake has switched his alliance and he's like, all right, my brother's straight up being controlled. My brother was trying to warn me. He was able to take reclaim his mind for a split second and then he switched back. And so then immediately after that, when Tom disappears into the night, Marco and Cassie <laughs> came over. Uh, Marco was laughing. Okay, he said, I admit it. I was wrong. These are just normal people having a good time. And Tom is not a controller. I didn't know whether to cry or laugh. Marco was wrong. Boom. He's just going to say it. Mm. And so then he's like, I'm on board. There's, there's some freaky stuff going on. And now we'll get into chapter 14. Yeah. I want to say, okay, I'm getting conflicting things here because Marco said, I admit it. These are totally normal people doing totally normal things. And then in chapter 14, all the kids are discussing things. And Cassie says, nothing is normal here. Can't you feel it? All these so-called full members, they're being perfectly nice, so perfectly helpful, so perfectly normal, it's abnormal. And Rachel agrees that it's creepy. Like, if you took cheerleaders, combined them with I, gym mm. teachers, and made them all drink 10 cups of coffee. Don't like that. I was like, but, I don't even know what that means. So, then Marco flips his switch again and yeah. says, they are all just a little too happy, aren't they? <laughs> well, it happened to close by to Marco. I know. Um, but well, now he's just, now he's being he, a Libra. <laughs> Yeah, then he says, people keep telling me how all their problems disappeared once they became a full member of the sharing. So what's the truth, Marco? What do you really feel here? Like, just your instincts, please. Um, So they all agree that this is shady as hell. And Jake says he's going to turn into a dog to sneak up on the people because no one's going to care about a dog. The full members went to go have a secret meeting beyond the dunes. And so, yeah, Jake is like, all right, I'll sneak in as a stray dog because they're not going to notice. They're not going to care if they see a dog and they won't know it's me. We have to remember he can turn into a dog, but it's Homer. His, his own, own dog. dog. So Which when is he goes, also Tom's dog. Even though his brother is being controlled, he's like, oh, I do need to keep a certain distance because if I look exactly like Homer, even the controller will know something's up. First, they call Tobias back to like let him know the plan. But Jake is also like, you got to turn back. To like, because you got to reset the two-hour timer. And Tobias is like, no, I don't like being a human. And Jake's like, fucking sucks. Turn back into a human. Um, so they're simultaneously morphing. And the other three yeah. are, again, standing like shoulder to shoulder, trying to like hide them. Hide them because Tobias is about to be naked. Yeah. And then also, this is another moment where like Cassie says something super out of pocket. Cassie mm-hmm. grinned. I'm going to have to teach you boys how to morph clothing. And I was just like, <laughs> all right. I mean, like, again, I'm glad they acknowledged it the first time, but after that, I'm like, I don't, also, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Tobias, it's logistic. He says, I hate changing back. It's like going into a prison or something. I hate it when I don't have wings. I know. What a delicate, um, sweet boy. I don't know. I don't, like, really know how much to read into this because it is a kid's book. But yeah. Tobias is so ostracized, and so then he finds such solace in being an animal that it yeah. does, like, again, his way to describe it, like, it's like going back into a prison or something i'm like yeah dude you're sounds like you're going through something that's a yeah but a huge metaphor for like body dysmorphia and stuff yeah so yeah that's that's exactly what i was thinking it's very interesting so yeah jake turns into a dog he gets a little distracted uh by the seagrass and (laughs) um something he hears um like running around but he and he like he approaches a human and the human ignores him because he's a dog but then he creeps up on the full members and he hears tom's voice he hears him say that they're waiting for someone. This book is so amateurish, and I kind of mean that in a negative way because it's I, I find everything a little too convenient. Mm-hmm. So the big reveal is that Visor 3 is inhabiting none other than 
assistant principal Chapman. And it's like another authority figure, like just like the cop that they're like, not safe. And then they're also like, and my assistant principal. And I'm like, this, it just seems kind of like one of those movies where it's like, all the adults can't be trusted. It guess it's just up to us kids. I don't think Visitor 3 is the one inside of Principal Chapman. Oh, okay. Well, it's Chapman. It's just someone else. It's just uh, someone it's else. Just another... Chapman oh, yeah, says, no, it is. You're right. You're I right. want them found. Visitor 3 wants them found. Does anyone have any clues? True. I love that he just out- opens it up like, anybody have any idea? <laughs> like, there's no systematic way to do this. They're just like, does anybody have any idea? And then Tom speaks up and says, could have edited anyone, but it might be the one who's my brother, Jake. I know he goes through the construction site sometimes. That's why I brought him here tonight. So we could either make him ours or kill him. Yeah. That's Ooh, the end wow, of the chapter. what a cliffhanger. I will say that's the most effective cliffhanger in this book because some of them are not that strong. Yeah, I think for me overall, again, I was like, I, I found it way too convenient that it's like yeah. another person is our assistant. It's just like every every authority figure that a kid could maybe hate, they're uh-huh. like, that that guy's probably a controller. And then they end up being correct. I'm like, all right, well, maybe be a little more clever. Like, you know how, like, in Harry Potter, you know, they hate Snape, but it turns out he's actually, like, not one of the bad guys. Not yeah, a bad right. I will, I will say that um, also, if I were in junior high and I found out that the cops, my brother, and the assistant principal were the year, then I'd probably be like, well, they're obviously infiltrated the rest of the planet. So yeah. I might as well give up now. <laughs> my whole world would be rough. I would be like, that's everybody they could possibly invade. We're, we're toast. Um, I will agree. Also, we have like not heard anything about assistant principal Chapman before now. We haven't heard anything about like whether they like him or don't like him. Like just no facts. And we're supposed to treat it like this big, huge, like, bomb in the middle of the plot and it's like mm-hmm. who's this who the hell are you talking about i know i think they did it really backwards and i mentioned this when we had first yeah those chapters of in the construction site where they're like i knew this voice it was kind of familiar but i couldn't quite place it and i was like this isn't really helpful because i i think it was a really good opportunity for us to invest your readers and have us guess who it could be but up until that point it was like chapter two or three or something yeah like it's, we had it, there's not no possible anyone. ways for us to guess it's not fun it's yeah, just it's not, weird and then in this one like in this chapter when it is revealed he makes a callback he's like this was the voice that i heard way back in the thing and i was like well we still can't guess like we do not know who this is so yeah. i will say right now for the bone zone we're on chapter we just <laughs> finished chapter 14 we're gonna move on to 15 and beyond it's 27 chapters. So far, I'm not impressed. I'm sorry. No. I'm like, this is kind of annoying. And it's just not, it's all too convenient, and it's not as clever as I want it to be. No. Sorry, K.A. Was... Applegate. So there's, I think there's something to be said about TV shows and books that do treat their readers who are intended to be children as, like, smart people, capable mm-hmm. of, like, solving problems and, like, figuring things out. An example is Gravity Falls. I think there's something to be said about, like, media that... Isn't that... condescending or, like, being... Yeah. Right, yeah, which this book definitely is. It's handing yeah. us these reveals and these things that, without giving us any way to like solve them for ourselves. And once again, it's really not encouraging critical thinking. These kids are drawing all these conclusions just based on their feelings and like what they think about people. Yeah, we've got the rest of the year for them to maybe yep. switch the tide and give us a little more, give the, the readers a little more credit. Yeah, but so far, not impressed. But I will say for me, it's a real good nostalgia um, yeah. trip. Just like, because it's, yeah, it's remembering what Animorphs was about. But also just, it is fun. It's entertaining because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, y'all, for joining us. And Tune in you. next time. Yeah, tune in next time. Hopefully it gets better. We'll see. Will Jake be stuck as a dog forever? Bark, bark. Bork, bork.
Bye. Bye. Bye.